Welcome to a new episode of Hyperbaric Reviews with your two hosts, one man who is Jack's total lack of surprise, it's Brad Roll, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, his name is Robert Paulson, but you can call him JT. <laughs> for this one, because there's so many different lines and stuff, isn't there? I mean, it's just full of quotes, this film. Hi everyone, we're back again, and um, any choice this one obviously we, we didn't announce what we were doing this week anyway on the last podcast but we changed our original plan but we're going back to that one stay tuned this week bread roll well this week jt we are looking at fight club which is a david fincher movie that came out in september 10th 1999 it's based on the book of the same name which came out in 1996 it runs for 139 minutes it had a budget of 63 to 65 million according to wiki but it came out of a box office of 101.2 million. So it made some good scratch share. It's got a pretty decent cast. I mean, front and center, we got Brad Pitt, Ed Norton, and Helena Bonham Carter, but there's some good support cast in there as well with this one. Yeah, not bad profit for what was, I'd imagine this, not even R-rated. What's the, the, the sort of higher rating than that in the States? It's an 18 over here, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's, um, oh, fucking, it's NC-17. That's the closest to an Something 18 like over there, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I imagine it would have probably hit that rating over there because um, it's pretty. I mean, I love this film when it first came out. Things might have changed 23 years later. I've forgotten how old it was, actually. Um, and I had the DVD import copy. Again, I've said this about a few of these sort of films around this era where the DVD import probably came out around the same time it hit the cinemas over here. So I was quite sort of about came out. And it was a big favourite of mine for, uh, for quite a while. But I won't go any further on that one. Yeah, I remember I was still at school. I was just finishing school um, around this sort of time, um, or just not bothering to go to school, one or the other. But um, <laughs> a friend of mine lent me this uh, when it obviously came to a video over here and everything. Um, and it was really popular at the time, like all my friends at school, like stuff like this, um, Snatch and Lockstock and everything. There was a good few years of these kind of more gritty movies that we were kind of getting into as we were sort of coming of age so to speak. Um, the name itself, Fight Club, is obviously quite synonymous now and everything, but I don't know if the book was, how well known the book was. Obviously, it got made into a movie, but at this point in time, like Brad Pitt was having a massive run of movies and Ed Norton at the time was also a pretty big name. I mean, he obviously burnt a few bridges in Hollywood from what I've read. He became a bit of a dick to work with, but at this point in time, he was um, quite a big name and doing quite a few things like American History X and he went on to do one of the Incredible Hulk movies and everything. So they're, you know, pretty uh, top shelf uh, casting, really. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame with Ed Norton because American History X, which is, if it's not on our list, needs to be, was such a good film. Um, and this is obviously, I think it's probably his next film, wasn't it? Cause American History X was 98, this was 99. Um, and I was really intrigued to see what he'd do next. Um off the rails a bit went a bit of a dick and I think he's carried on being a bit of a dick and I've not really bothered to watch him in much else because after this I don't know most of the shit from what I've seen but there we go shame about that one but you know he's still making a lot of money I'm sure so fair play to him but I had forgotten how long this was because 
we had a bit of a last minute change, like I say, and you suggested another film, which we are going to do, won't see what it is. And I said, no, no, that film's far too long. We'll, we'll do Fight Club because you'd suggest And then I realised, fuck me, this film's like, what, two hours, <laughs> 20 minutes or something, isn't it? It is, yeah. I stuck it on last night and I just put it on, um, I think it's on Netflix or Prime, one or the other. And I, obviously it shows you how long it is. I fucking hell, I forgot. I thought this film was like an hour and 50 or something. It's like 220. I was like, bloody hell, I didn't realise it. But um, it doesn't, in some places, well, was, for the first half especially, it doesn't feel like a long movie. It moves along pretty quick. But um, let's um, jump into the synopsis and see what we can do with this one before we give too much away with uh, the score and everything. I so, um yeah, so the narrator, as he's called, quite interestingly, um, I don't know if you've read the book to this, it's more of a novella, it's not like a big novel or anything like that, but I um, I never really thought about, obviously we'll get to the twist at the end, just going off on a tangent here, um, Ed Norton's character is who he turns out to think he is, isn't he? And I never thought, like, shit, all the way through this movie, he don't actually hear his proper name, he is just a narrator, and I never actually clocked that until, like, recently. Uh, I'm saying in the first... I was really confused and didn't put two two together and I'll, I'll talk about it obviously when I do my final wrap up but yeah it's um I was watching this again earlier for a while and I was like yeah he doesn't have a name he's just the narrator yeah um so the narrator an automobile recall specialist is unfulfilled by his job and um possessions and suffers from chronic insomnia to cure this he attends support groups posing as a sufferer of diseases his bliss is disturbed when another imposter, Marla Singer, begins attending the same groups. The two agree to split which groups they attend. On a flight home from a business trip, the narrator meets soap salesman Tyler Durden. The narrator returns home to find his apartment and all his belongings have been destroyed by an explosion. Disheartened by the loss of his material goods, he calls Tyler and they meet at a bar. Tyler tells him he um, is attracted by consumerism. In the parking lot, he asks the narrator to hit him and they have a fist fight. They find the experience cathartic and agree to do it again. So there's a kind of like quick sort of intro to the movie. Um, that probably covers a good sort of like 20 minutes or so as this movie kicks off. What are your thoughts on how this one begins? Uh, I, I love the intro straight from the get-go. Sort of breakbeat music, which was by the Dust Brothers. Um, they did the soundtrack for this film. There's a couple of other bits in it here, but they did the main soundtrack. And uh, here for anyone who's into music, the Chemical Brothers, who obviously are now massive, were originally called the Dust Brothers, but because of this band, they had to change their name. So they now are the Chemical Brothers. That's a little music trivia. Um, it's um, Tarantino-esque again, so the end scene, doesn't it? Which is obviously you're like, what the fuck's going on when you just see Brad Pitt and Ed Norton sort of in the tower block and he's sort of explaining the film and you're like, oh, it's been finished already. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? We have to get a little um, even comments on it later on. We come back to the scene, doesn't it? Goes, oh, flashback humour. I like that kind of like yeah. fourth wall moment that he um, comes out with. But um, yeah, it's great. And I've got to say, I've always been a fan of um, Helena Bonham Carter. She does so many roles, but she's fucking awesome in this. And the way she plays Marla is brilliant. When she starts turning up, it is like self-help groups. She's going to like testicular cancer and tuberculosis and all this sort of stuff. And uh, Meatloaf, isn't it? Meatloaf's in there as well. Yeah. Bitch tips, Bob. <laughs> um, I love the way he just goes, Bob. <laughs> Bob had bitch tits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, I like the way she comes into this movie and the way she kind of like interacts with him. Obviously, never really Tyler Durden as such, although we'll come to that a bit later on. But her interaction with Ed Norton in this is brilliant, I think, throughout. Oh, it's so good. But she smokes more for cigarettes than bloody Sam. 
fucking it's filmed, don't she? She's constantly <laughs> smoking. <laughs> She's properly like just chain smoking. But I like it when um they decide to split the groups and they're sort of deciding which groups to go but go to in there. And um there's one bit where she's like, um I would Ed Norton says oh, cancer should be easy. And she's like, Well, technically I have more right to be there than you because you have your balls. I just thought that was a great line. <laughs> That is amazing, isn't it? And I love how she just doesn't give a fuck, does she? Like, she just walks across the road without even looking. She, you know, all the cars yeah. are swerving to avoid her and stuff. And she, she walks into the fucking laundromat, just grabs some person's fucking clothes out of the dryer and just goes and flogs them in, like, a fucking, I don't know what they're called, like, thrift store or, like, yeah. I don't know what they are, just, you know, second-hand shop and everything. I was like, it's fucking brilliant. It is brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. But all these um these sort of places they have these meetings in, these self-help groups are also... I don't know if they're like church halls or like just community centres, but I mean, you're supposed to be going there to give each other hope, and the place is so fucking depressing. You, you probably come up. Yeah, no, I mean, touch wood, and thankfully, I never had to be to one, been to one of them, so I don't know what they're like in this country, Nathan. But yeah, I know what you mean. You walk in and you think, fucking hell, wish the Reaper would touch me on the shoulder, sitting here drinking like cheap coffee, and everyone's like doom and gloom. But you know, fair play to those groups that are out there and such. But um, I do like the way that you get the little nods of like. Tyler appearing like they're so subtle and it wasn't until like the third or fourth time I watched this movie I picked up on them but every now and then during key points where his life is the most monotonous you see like this little flash don't you and obviously later on that turns out to be uh Tyler kind of manifesting as it were yeah you see him like on the sort of uh moving walkway in the airport don't you he sort of nods over to uh, old Ed Norton as he goes past um then it's not a jump scare but there's that plane crash, it just happens really suddenly, isn't it? And that's obviously Ed Norton just kind of drifting off, and then he wakes up, and that's when he's actually next. I mean, how cool does uh, Tyler Durden look as well? I used to want to look like him. I thought, he's just such a cool character. Yeah, he's stylish as fuck, isn't he? And, you know, obviously Brad Pitt, especially back then, good-looking guy, like he had the cool hair, the shades. He wears the most fucking ridiculous outfits, but somehow he makes them look cool in this because of how cool he just is as a person, but... I do like the way they meet in that, and he's like, Tyler's just completely mugging him off, isn't he? Because he's like, well, what do you do for a living? Why? So you can pretend like you're interested? And then he's just like yeah. completely being a dick to him. And then he just steals that guy's car, doesn't he? You see him in the background when um yeah. Ed Norton's waiting for like his luggage because they think there's a dildo or something in his like luggage <laughs> vibrating. You see like Tyler jump into like a Merc or something to drive off, and this poor guy goes running after him going, hey, that's my car. Yeah. Um... Tyler's oxygen mask theory as well when they're on a plane and he's like you see this and he pulls out the insert and he's like everyone looks happy because why is there oxygen masks on the well so you can breathe no so you can get high you know it's, adre- it's adrenaline everyone's like fucking high as a kite while the plane's crashing that's why they all look so calm obviously that card comes to play in a little bit later in the film as well it, that's a fucking brilliant theory as well and it's probably not far wrong either yeah. no <laughs> Oh, poor old Ed Norton. Obviously, we find out a little bit more about this later. But he's having a bad day, and his fucking suitcase was vibrating in the airport. And the way that airport attendant like sometimes it's an electric razor, sometimes it's a dildo. <laughs> and um, so that that's happened. He's lost all his stuff, and then he's thinks at this point, fuck me, this guy's having a bad day. Turns out not so much, maybe. But we'll come to that. And I'm sure most people will have seen this film. Obviously, Marla's number just lands on the pavement after his condo's blown up. But again, we know why that is a bit later on. Yeah, I do love how kind of like satirical, well, I don't know if satirical is the right word, but how like kind of like cynical it is. Like he's like, how embarrassing, a brand new fridge full of condiments and no actual food. And he's just got like mustard and sauce all over the fucking pavement and everything. Because he's just like literally lives out of the Ikea book. 
But I do like that yeah. bit where they um they have like their first fight when they come out of the bar because obviously they're sat there chatting and all that stuff. And he's like, I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Then he hits him and it's fucking hilarious. He's like, you motherfucker, you hit me in the ear. And the way yeah. he fucking reacts <laughs> is hilarious. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? And we get the little montage of Tyler's jobs. Obviously, he's got the cinema job, which we see right in. But he's got the, the job where he's peeing in the bloody soup. And then he says something about, was it the cream sauce thing? You don't even know, want to know what that was. Yeah, because he's like, you know, oh, yeah, you fart some orangs, like sneezes into this, that, and the other. And as for the cream mushroom soup, well, you get the idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brilliant. So now the narrator moves into Tyler's home, a large dilapidated house in an industrial area. There are further fights outside the bar, which attract growing crowds of men. The fights move to the bar's basement, where the men form an uh, eponymous fight club, which routinely meets. Marla overdoses on pills and telephones the narrator for help. He ignores her, leaving the telephone with uh, Marla on the line, sitting on top of the phone, um, not hanging off the wall on the call. Uh, Tyler approaches the phone, picks it up and goes to her apartment to save her. They begin a sexual relationship, much to the narrator's irritation. Tyler warns the narrator never to talk to Marla about him. The narrator blackmails his boss for his company's assets to support the fight club and quits his job. This, <laughs> this fucking whole right bit when he goes to like um, Tyler's house before we get into the bit where he meets Marla and all that sort of stuff. But that fucking house is disgusting, isn't it? Wow. Like, find out it's like obviously it's his house already type of thing. Um, obviously, people who listen to this probably know what the twist of the movie is and that. But like, fucking out this house is just like ah. Oh. Why would you even want us fucking sleep in there? It's just so bad, isn't it? I mean, and obviously, well, I've got the same synopsis as you, so, but um, it's a little bit wrong, isn't it? Because he doesn't quit his job quite yet. That's a bit later on. Um, That's much later on. Yeah, which I, so I don't know why that line's there. I thought this when I was going through the synopsis earlier, making my notes. Yeah, that house is fucking evil. Um, it's just, I mean, it's just water everywhere. The electric doesn't work. One light goes on, one light goes off. Just yeah, like you say, why would you want to live there? Obviously, he's not quite right, but surely no one would want to live in that place. And another thing as well, I mean, he's, at the moment he's still holding down his day job. His boss, a long time ago, the state of him—he's coming in. He's, he must stink. He looks fucking terrible. He's got bags under his eyes, cuts all over his face, and everything. He's very, but he's still holding down a pretty good job. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that as well, because it's like, it proved, like when he's going around the house, which is like a just fucking living tetanus chamber, pretty much, like the fucking <laughs> shower, the water just comes out like black, and he's like brushing his teeth with this like rusty brown water from the tap, isn't he? And then he's like, he's always like trying to clean his fucking clothes with like a toothbrush as well. And fucking yeah. Tyler, just random, he's just always walking around in this fucking pink dressing gown or riding this little <laughs> fucking BMX around all over the place. And it's just, oh, it's just such a shithole. But there's something about it. I'm like, this is such a great setting for obviously what this movie's obviously trying to achieve. And they both play it off really well. Oh, absolutely. There's one bit as well when the fight club sort of first starts and you see Ed Norton's face as people are getting battered and he's just got this smile on his face as if to say, yeah. Then he gets his own face smashed in as well. Then he gets his face properly battered against the floor. I think there's another bit here that you see him in the hospital and um, he says sometimes Tyler spoke for me in the hospital because obviously his face all battered in and Tyler says, says stitch him up. So a little clue there as to what's actually going on. Yeah, yeah, there's a few of them. Like the more you watch this film, the more you know is how cleverly woven in this stuff is. Obviously the first time you watch it, I don't know about you, I didn't really pick up on a lot of it. Obviously the twist no. at the end was like, oh yeah, that, that's really cool. Just the first time I'd seen a movie like this. Um 
but yeah there's some really like subtle kind of notes going on there which i really like and the fucking the sound effects when they're fighting like the punches and the way like it just mm. sounds like tenderizing like just fucking slabs of meat doesn't it it's so fucking like icky and everything but ah, oh, the, the fight scenes in this are so fucking full-on yeah they are <laughs> you say they obviously Marlo and him start the sexual relationship. There's fucking there's a well trippy sex scene, but Marla's still bloody smoking. She's getting banged away by um, and she's still got a cigarette in her mouth. I'm like, fuck no, do you ever stop? Yeah, she's certainly going for it, isn't it? It's a fucking it's quite subtle, but I just love the um the way he does it. And one thing I noticed last night, especially like when Tyler goes to meet her and obviously kind of rescue her from her overdose. He doesn't actually say a single word throughout that entire sequence, which again might be like another give- giveaway. But he's like got his arm resting on like her, like, I don't know, a shelf or something. There's just this massive fucking dildo there. And he starts like <laughs> shaking the fucking cabinet and it's like wobbling away. And she's like, oh, don't worry, it's not a threat to you. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that, but obviously I'd seen it before. There's a bit here again that the synopsis is left out because you see them stealing the fat, don't you, from that factory? And there's another shit security guard. You see them often in the films. He just doesn't fucking notice them. They've got a torch and they manage to jump over the fence just as he appears. I'm like, yeah, another fucking movie 101 now. Yeah, it's like a fucking Breaking Bad high status, isn't it? When they got like the fucking the bag full of like like liposuction fat and everything that like catches on the barbed wire and just spills down and drips everywhere. And Brad Pitt's trying to fucking catch it. So what are you gonna do? Right? Just run with a fucking scoop of it in your hand, <laughs> fucking fat. Yeah, I do think that's great as well, isn't it? And obviously, then Tyler goes on about making nitroglycerin with the soap, which then obviously makes you think, hold on a minute, because he's had the phone call at this point, hasn't he, from the. Uh saying that there was nitroglycerin on the door handle and everything, I think, sort of implying that it was in a bit of an inside job. And obviously then Brad Pitt mentions the nitroglycerin. Again, I probably didn't pick up on that the first time I saw this film. No, the first half of this film just runs along so quickly and you're kind of like caught up in it because it's just so much crazy shit going on. But there's one thing I don't know if you noticed, um, for its time it is good, but there's some really kind of like plasticky looking CGI in this movie. Like when they're doing like the sequence of how like the the apartment would have blown up and even bits when they're like doing like um looking at his um waste paper bin with stuff in it it's just a really kind of plasticky cgi from the day but it's aged pretty well considering this movie didn't have a huge budget and probably wasn't focusing on being a cgi movie but yeah it just sort of sticks out a little bit now yeah there's a couple of bits i thought didn't look so good um yeah i mean this film isn't about the cgi though so i think a little bit there's also a scene here where fucking brad pitt puts that it acid or something on uh, Ed's hand it just the acting between them sort of basically telling him to man up and sort his life out and Ed Norton's obviously screaming his hands and melting away it's fucking gnarly yeah and I just thought he's like he's proper slapping him isn't he because he's like got hold of him and he's like leave me alone I want to you know he wants to go and put water on it and Brad Pitt just keeps like fucking like twatting him across the head and everything it's just it's great acting like you say I really I just like the way these two work together on screen absolutely brilliant and then just before we move on to the next part, because it does mention this, but he randomly just bumps into Bob in the street. <laughs> and Bob's got some fucking donuts and he's eating one. And the minute he sees like old uh, Ed, he's so excited, he's chucking on the floor and just goes, oh, and gives him a hug and everything. And he tells him about Fight Club. Yeah, I love the way, as you say, it's in the next bit, so I get there. But like you say, he throws it over his shoulder. And he's like licking his fingers like he's going to shake his hand, like cleaning the sugar off. And then he <laughs> grabs him and hugs him anyway. It's like, you know. Yeah. So, more new members joined Fight Club, including Robert Bob Paulson, a man with testicular cancer whom the narrator had previously met at one of his support groups. 
Tyler then recruits their members to a new anti-materialistic and anti-corporate organisation, Project Mayhem, without the narrator's involvement. The group engage in subversive acts of vandalism, increasing troubled, um, increasingly troubling the narrator. After the narrator complains that Tyler has um, excluded him, Tyler reveals that he was the one who caused the explosion in the narrator's condo. And again, this has moved along a little bit quickly as well in the synopsis there, but um, the sort of Project Mayhem thing is just... I do like it, and, but it kind of just changes the whole tone of the movie about halfway through, doesn't it, when all this stuff starts to kick off? Yeah. Talking about those two up until now, and obviously Marla as well, um, but now it just goes pretty crazy, and it does turn into a sort of a different movie, and it sort of flows a lot different pace. We even see one bit um, in Fight Club where uh, old uh, bitch tit Bob beats Ed in a fight, doesn't he? And then he's really sorry about it. <laughs> I think the only fight we actually see the narrator or Ed Norton as he is in the movie, obviously not the Tyler Durden. Um, the only fight I think we actually see him win is the one against Angel Face, which is um, Jared Leto, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, we get um, this random bit of gangsters come into Fight Club, into the basement they're using and just basically says, this is our place, what the fuck are you being here? And one of them just batters Tyler while he's just laughing in his face, just letting him hit him. Then he just jumps on top of him, just spits blood into his mouth until the bloke's like, oh, you can fucking use the place. It's just a really random scene. Yeah, because he's like, you don't know where I've been. You don't know where I've been. And he's like coughing and spluttering. But when that fucking gangster guy comes down, there's a bit in there. I don't know if it's supposed to rhyme, but it makes me laugh anyway, because he's like, the sign on the door says, Lou's bar. I'm fucking Lou. Who the fuck are you? And it's just so fucking <laughs> random. I didn't notice that, actually. There's a quite a funny bit here as well, and we're sort of first getting introduced to the more and more characters, and Tyler just asked him to start random strangers. I thought that was brilliant. Some of the bits, Bob's fucking chasing people around in some kind of shopping mall or something. I don't know what it is. You've got another guy just fucking spraying people with a hose. It's just quite a funny little scene. Yeah, their homework's amazing. I just love some of the lines he comes out with, because he's got them, like, coming to his well, the house, hasn't they? Like the building and everything. He's like, they've got to wait outside for three days. And if they stay out there about food or drink or like encouragement, then they can come in. Um, but they've got to go out there and like discourage him. Ed Norton goes out and he's like beating some guy up with his really shitty like fucking broom. He's like, what have you even got a broom in that house for? It's never been cleaned or anything. And then um, the first recruit comes out and I love the line he, he fucking says. Cause he's like, you're too fucking old, fatty. And he goes up to Angel Face. He's like, and you, you're too fucking Blonde and just fucking screams at him and walks off. Yeah, because poor old fucking Bob stood out there. He's like, "You're too fat, too fat man." Like you say, he's like, "And your tits are too big. Get the fuck off my porch." Yeah, <laughs> this is actually the, the section here which they've got. This is the, the section where um, the narrator beats. Well, it doesn't beat his boss up, does he? he? Fucking beats himself up, and then he makes it look like his boss has done it. I mean, Ed Norton and probably. The most iconic scene from the whole film. If no one's ever seen that, they probably would have seen that scene. Because I remember when it it first came out, it's being shown. Easy fucking part of the film. Yeah, there's always eclipse on like Sky Movies, and it's either this scene or the bit in the car park where it's like, "I want you to hit me as hard as you can." And they always just show those bits. But yeah, that's fucking brilliant. And again, another key part here that kind of gives it away. But the first time you watch it, you don't realise is he's about to throw himself through like the fucking I don't know, like the bookshelf. And he's like, for some reason, I thought of my first fight with Tyler. And then he throws himself through it, and it's like that pretty much just obviously gives away one of the key kind of like part of the key moment of the twist, isn't it? Yeah, and we see the Project Mayhem guys now doing a few bits. Some of them are a little bit far fetched. I mentioned the um about you know the gas masks now, and they've changed them, haven't they? To people panicking and everything. 
but they're perfectly the same as like the ones it would have been just with the pictures changed. And I'm like, what the fucking limited stuff you've got. It it goes a bit mental, doesn't it? Like the amount of people that join Project Mayhem is insane. And but some of the stunts are pretty funny. Like um, when they feed all those pigeons and they shit all over like the fucking yeah. the cars and like the car lot and everything like stuff like that. I just thought was funny. But yeah, like you say, some of it is just a little bit far fetched. And I, I kind of like appreciate what the story's trying to tell about like regular people being treated like shit and just if they rose up sort of thing. But it does start to go a little bit fucking stupid in a way from this point onwards. It does a little bit. I mean, like you say, they've pretty much got everyone involved. were involved a little bit later on. So I suppose they would have had the technology because someone probably working in a printing firm would have done those. Then the airline guy would have put them in the back of the seats. But yeah, it's just, it's just been mad. And then the bit that really fucking triggers the narrator off is when they put that massive smiley, smiley face on that bloody high rise building. So like, how the f*** do that? Yeah, yeah, that's just... <laughs> that would have taken some coordination, wouldn't it? A bunch of fucking random guys living in a shitty, dilapidated house managing to pull that off. Yeah, and then just before we move on, this is the bit where old uh, narrator beats old angel face up Jared Leto, but he... And as you said, I mean, it looks pretty gruesome, but the sound of him hitting him is just fucking horrible, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a whole fucking wet meat sound, isn't it? It's that slapping... Horrible sound, like you say, like when you see his face afterwards, it's just like beaten to a pulp. And then even later on, you kind of see him as he's kind of healing, for lack of a better term, and like his eyes fucking all swollen, looking like the bloody elephant man or something. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the, the notes I've got on here about some of the, the things that I, the makeup doesn't look great on him, I didn't think. It's a little bit over the top. Yeah, yeah, it probably is a little bit. But to be fair, I think the practical effects of age better than the CGI in this particular case but it's not really in there too much is it it's only like kind of short shots so you don't actually focus on it too much so now Tyler disappears one night and when Paulson is killed by the police fleeing from a sabotage operation the narrator tries to halt the project he follows a paper trail to cities Tyler has visited discovering project mayhem has spread throughout the country in one city a project member addresses the narrator as Mr. Durden. Confused, the narrator calls Marla and discovers that she also believes he is Tyler. Tyler appears in his hotel room with a different haircut and clothing and reveals that they are disassociated personalities. The narrator assumed the personality of Tyler when he believed he was sleeping. This is obviously the bit where obviously the narrator, Ed Norton, is putting it all together and he's like just running around town in his fucking boxer shorts and like some long fucking coat looking like a flasher from hell. All these folders and everything and it's like chasing Marla and then Marla gets on a bus and it just happens to be full of all these fucking Project Mayhem people. It just goes like, it's just a bit fucking weird, doesn't it? Yeah, it does a little bit. Um, I mean, they've got quite a fucking team together now, like we said earlier. There's quite a few of them. But when Marla first turns up to the house, Ed's drinking his bottle of vodka. Fuck me, it's huge, isn't it? And she basically says, um, you know, what's going on, everything. He's fucking gone. And she's like, what do you mean Tyler's gone? And he's obviously drunk anyway, so he doesn't put two and two together. And he's just like, he's fucked off. He seems to say, but you're Tyler. And obviously at that point, you still don't know. But watching it again earlier, her face kind of gives it away a bit. Yeah, definitely. She's just like, you're a fucking lunatic. Because usually, like, we've seen, like, throughout the movie, like, she's shagging Brad Pitt, like, all night long and screaming like a fucking lunatic. Then come down the stairs and Ned Norton just pretty much just tells her to fuck off. So she's like, you've got issues and stuff. And obviously, it turns out that she's been banging him. And then in the morning, he's a complete bell end to her. 
action. Poor old Bob, though. I mean, he doesn't have much of a, much luck in his film, does he? And they sort of pull the hood away, whatever it is he's got over his head, and the sort of back of his head just falls off on the floor. It's pretty gross. Yeah, that's pretty fucking gnarly, isn't it? And this bit's just, again, this just shows how like brainwashed these people are and everything. Because it's like, he had a name. His name was Robert Paulson. I understand. His name was Robert Paulson. And they all just fucking stand there going, his name was Robert Paulson. His name was Robert yeah. Paulson. <laughs> I still say that every now and then. Just out, out of the blue, I'll just come out and start chanting that. People probably think I'm fucking mad. But I do like... But sir, in, in Project Mayhem, we don't have names. But maybe in death we do or something. I thought that was quite cool. Yeah. It is weird. Like, and again, knowing obviously the twist and everything, like the look some of them give him when he's like walking around the house looking like, what the fuck are you lot doing? They're all kind of looking at him like, are you all right? You're the one who told us to do all this. And it all kind of comes together really well on rewatches. Yeah, it does. I mean, it starts, I think just that middle part is the bit where it goes a bit. Now it sort of turns itself back around and starts making a lot more sense and being not believable the film's definitely not believable but it works a bit better but he does basically a lot of cities I don't know what the time scale is in this but he gets around a bit doesn't he he certainly does yeah because even the narrator like points out like I've been sleeping longer and waking up because he wakes up and it's like been days gone by doesn't it which I think obviously is going to kick into the the next part of our synopsis but um yeah he certainly gets around because obviously he's after framing his boss for beating him up he's got like a year's worth of free paychecks and flight coupons doesn't he so he's not even paying for the flights I do love that bit. Obviously, he's just beating himself up in the office and the guy's walking and he's holding his boss's tie going, please, please. And he just walks out of the office with his trolley full of his and everything. His face is just pissing out blood and all his colleagues now are just looking at him going, what the fuck is going on here? I do love just that whole scene and the look on his face as he walks smile. Yeah, <laughs> he's really good in this. Um, so the narrator blacks out. When he returns to the house, he uncovers Tyler's plans to erase debt by destroying buildings that contain credit card records. He apologises to Marla and warns her that she is in danger. She is tired of his contradictory behaviour and refuses to listen. He tries to warn the police, but the officers are members of the project. He attempts to disarm the explosives in one building, but Tyler subdues him. This bit's pretty good as well when they're about to fucking take his balls and everything, because they, they grab that senator or that guy earlier on, don't they? They're wrapping an elastic band around his nuts, and they're obviously threatening to cut people's balls off, and then the fucking police are about to do it to him. But I was thinking, if these three policemen are part of the project, like they're in a police station, the chief's just stepped outside to take a phone call, and they're like yanking his trousers down and about to take his fucking balls off. What happens if someone walks in? Yeah, exactly. I, I thought that as well. It's a bit weird. Um... I mean, it's, it's a good time as well because Chief walks back in just as like they're about to chop his nuts off. Um, but yeah, I mean, everyone seems to be honest now because he meets Marla and then they go to this restaurant or somewhere and everyone knows him. So like, oh, it's free of charge, sir. And everyone's looking at him like he's some kind of god. Just everyone in this whole city you now. Project Mayhem. Yeah, and I made that Marla's like, oh, I'll have all, like, all this, like loads of food and everything. He's like, oh, clean food, please. And like, oh, in that case, may I suggest you don't get the clam chowder? And it's like, I dread the things they fucking put in there. <laughs> yeah, it's good though. But it's another great scene between um, Ed Norton and Elena Bond interacting with each other. And she's basically telling him to stop being a dick. And yeah, it's just really good. The acting between the three of them in particular, although they're not on set, they are, it's just two of them at a time, but it's just so good. Yeah, it's brilliant. And I also like the way, like, now that um, he's kind of put her on the bus, obviously we see the guys stand up, so we know she's kind of been kidnapped. He's now running to find one of these buildings to disarm the bombs, and Brad Pitt keeps appearing, doesn't he? And kind of, like, goading him or trying to kind of, like, wind him up and everything. And there's a bit where he just... 
I don't know why I laugh so much, but he like he's trying to break into this building. He's got a fucking gun, but he pushes like a bench towards a door and it just does nothing, does it? He just like fucking bangs his shins against it. Just shoot out and the door goes in. There's a couple of great bits here though. When um he's into that pan, the bomb's in the back and Tyler's there and he's trying to cut the wires and he's like, Well if I know what wires or if you know what the wires are, then I'll know what the wires are. And Tyler's like, I wouldn't cut that one. Ooh, he's just fucking brilliant in the way he's mugging him off every time. Yeah, and then when they're having like their their fight, and Tyler's doing all this like weird fucking Bruce Lee kung fu stuff, but then it keeps cutting to like the security camera, and it's just Ed Norton rolling around on his own, isn't it? Like beating the shit out of himself. Yeah, but here actually, I've never noticed before. So Tyler stood in front of the van with a nitroglycerin in it, and Ed tries to shoot him. Obviously, there's no one there, so it goes. And then Tyler's like, "Oh, I wouldn't fucking do that. I've got that nitroglycerin in there." Then he tries to shoot Tyler again. This time he actually would have hit him, but it goes straight through him because he's not there again. But it doesn't seem to hit the van. I'm like, fuck me. Surely that second shot would have probably blown the thing up. Yeah, yeah, I know it's that. Because like you say, the first one hits the glass, doesn't it? And Tyler's like, fuck, yeah. you know, it's nitroglycerine, like you say. And then, like, there's no bullet in the door or anything. Because that second shot would have, like you say, definitely gone through and fucking caused some damage. It just disappears. <laughs> There's one thing, and I mentioned this to Rachel just before we go into the final bit of the synopsis, like, especially you're watching this bit and it's obviously you see Ed Norton just beating the shit out of himself. And we know he did it earlier with his boss and everything. So on the first night when he met Tyler, quote unquote, when he first had their fight, when the guys came out of the bar and started seeing him, all they would have seen is him beating the shit out of himself. So why would they come over and been like, oh, can I be next? Like, whether they want to stand there and punch themselves or how did it go from just watching some random guy beating the shit out of himself, like having a mental breakdown to people fighting each other. I don't get how that yeah. like transition would have happened. No, he's a bit of a strange one. I've thought about that watching this again. Um, at first, I didn't think about it because it's quite near the start and you sort of forget about it. Earlier, I was like, yeah, how did this all actually materialise from him beating himself up in the car park? Most people would have probably walked away from him thinking, this guy's fucking nuts. I'm not going to... Yeah. <laughs> so um, with Tyler holding him at gunpoint on the top floor, the narrator realises that as he and Tyler are the same person, the narrator is holding the gun. He fires it into his own mouth, shooting through his cheek. Tyler dies and the narrator ceases mentally projecting him. Project Mayhem members bring a kidnapped Marla to the building. The narrator and Marla reconcile and holding hands, the two watch the explosives detonate, collapsing buildings around them pretty much how the movie ends. Like they have that fight and then they cut back, like you said at the start, they cut back to where the movie first opens. That's where we get that kind of bit where he's like, I still can't think of anything. Brad Pitt's like, huh, flashback humour. And I've always liked that little fourth wall bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy when Ed and Brad, are... he's got the gun, then he realises actually he's got the gun, if that makes sense. Brad's got it, so if you've got it, I've got it. And it's, it's pretty mad to think he's... So, he's probably pleading with Tyler to not do this. And I'm thinking... You're pleading with yourself, realising in his head what the fuck is going on. It's brilliant. Yeah, and I do like the reaction from Brad Pitt. Like, he's all cocky and he's Tyler Durden at the end of the day, isn't he? But then when uh, the narrator takes the gun away from him, he's kind of like, ah, interesting. And then he starts to kind of, you can see a bit of panic in his face a little bit. Kind of like, shit, he's going to figure out how to control me now. So I'm not going to be this other personality, which... Again, I just like the way it kind of works. Then that fucking scene, and I know I said the CGI looks a bit ropey, but I think this bit looks pretty cool when he fucking shoots himself in the face and he saw like half of his cheek just blow out. I think that bit looks pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty fucking gnarly, isn't it? It does look all right. Um, I was never a big fan of that. Um, I've got sort of 
more with it as time's gone on. I've always thought it was a bit strange because, yeah, he shot himself through the cheek and everything. But then when Marla turns up, have a Project Mayhem, guys, at first he's like, oh, uh, uh, and then he just starts talking pretty normally, doesn't he? doesn't take him long to yeah. just come around as normal. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it would take a, a long time to recover from an injury like that. <laughs> but like you say, at first, he is literally really struggling and he's just talking normally at the end. And I do like that line where just before the buildings blow up, he's like, you met me at a really strange time in my life. And then all like the fucking yeah. credit card buildings blow up and everything. But um, it's, that's pretty much how the movie ends, really. And it's just a bit fucking weird, but it's just a mental ride from start to finish. I know. It's weird, though, isn't it? Because he was trying to desperately stop goes ahead anyway. So it's like, so it wasn't really a happy ending. And I'm sure, like, He's got a lot of explaining to do, but there you go. Have you heard about the Chinese ending? Just before we do our final wrap-up. I have not. I don't believe so, anyway. Okay. Um... So, <laughs> this is I've heard this in a look before I, I put it down on paper, just to make sure it was true. Apparently it is. So, I think they only got this film a couple of years ago, because obviously they only got Star Wars. So, why not? They um They didn't like the ending, basically. So, they changed it. Um, so to say that the police got all out, arrested everyone and defused the bomb, no explanation and everything happened uh, nicely and, and the, the bombs didn't go off and everyone was happy. And that film. <laughs> Fucking rubbish. <laughs> exactly. I'd like to see it though, just to just see how they did it. <laughs> and what happens is the film just stops and there's a really shitty like fucking like bit of paper come out that someone's hastily scribbled just saying that's the end of the fucking film. I, uh, I don't know, that's Oh, fucking hell, what a load of rubbish. Because I quite like this film. And I actually, even more so like today, as like this story, I mean, it was written in 1996. Um, I have read the book a long time ago. Um, and I do think, from what I remember, the movie is pretty close to the book or the novella as far as the story goes. But it's like, you know, it would be pretty crazy, wouldn't it, if someone actually did erase the debt history, like how much that would fuck over, like what that would do to the world and how much it would fuck over all the rich pricks and the corporations and everything. It'd be crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, it's quite scary to think, you know, I mean, it's probably never going to happen. We hope it doesn't happen. I'm sure it won't. Pretty mad thought. So um, that is Fight Club as per the wiki synopsis. So the only thing left to do is to give this one some scores. And is it my turn to go first this week? Uh, Possibly. I don't know. (laughs) If you want to go first, Bread Roll, can you crack on? Okay, well, I'll go first then. Um, So... Yeah, this film, as I say at the start, I saw this around the time I was leaving school. And um, it's the first time I'd seen a movie that was kind of quite like this, Um, especially in terms of the twist, that kind of psychological thing. Now, that kind of thing, twist of like, it was that person all along. And it turns out it was like another version of them or them in like another state. Has been done quite a lot in films. Um, There's a movie, I think it was called The Machinist with Christian Bale that had a similar twist. And I've seen a few other ones. And some movies do it well, some don't. But... This is the first one I've ever seen that did that type of twist. So I've always graded them against this. Um, it is a pretty cool twist. And the whole movie is just fucking bonkers all the way through. But it's really much, like so much fun to watch. Even though it's dark, there's so much swearing in there. It's really fucking brutal. The music's pretty cool. It's such a sleazy, dirty movie, like the house they live in. Marla Singer, who was amazingly played by Helen the Bonham Carter, is just a complete fucking, I don't know how to describe her, just a fucking mess of a person. But I like her at the same time. Brad Pitt and Ed Norton are both fantastic in this movie. It's it's kind of hard to sum up like what this movie's actually like unless you've actually watched it. But I still think it's fucking brilliant. Um, for years, I've enjoyed this movie. I don't watch it over and over, but when I do watch it, I do really enjoy it, and that hasn't changed. 
Um, so short and sweet on this one, I'm going to give this one a four because I think it's fucking brilliant and it's aged pretty well. As I say, the CGI is a little bit sloppy in places. And again, it's a story that was written for the nineties and it doesn't really come out of that kind of time zone as such, but I still think it's deserving of four others because it's fucking brilliant. And I'd encourage anyone to watch this movie. What about yourself, JT? Well, good stuff, Brad Roll. Um, yeah, I mean, when I first saw this film, as I said, the start was pretty much when it came out and, uh, like, because there's a lot that goes on and I did need to watch it again which wasn't a bad thing because I loved it at the time um, and I've seen it a few times over the years but one I've watched a lot I sort of watch it here and there I do have it on Blu-ray um, but I haven't watched it a massive amount so some of the bits were a little bit sketchy my pretty much come back I knew the plot obviously but some of the scenes I was oh yeah I remember that um, so do I still like it after 23 years I fucking love it after 23 years so I haven't read the book, so I won't comment too much on the plot. There's that little middle bit where a little bit over the top, but this whole film's fucking over the top, so who really cares? The cast are superb. Ed Norton, Brad Pitt, and her, just they're so good with each other. Meatloaf is a great character. He's almost comedy, although he shouldn't be. And, well, soundtrack's awesome. Dust Brothers, as I mentioned earlier, really, really good soundtrack. Fits with the film. It's long, which I shouldn't like. It moves at a good pace, even though it's long, and the scenes aren't drawn out, and there's some great dialogue as well. So I'd have to say this is probably my top 10 film of time. Um, I just love it. And although I don't watch it a lot, because it's not a film we can sit down and, and watch a lot, if that makes sense. So it's going to be no surprise. It's fat five others for me, Bredo. I fucking love this film. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it again today, even if I did have to watch it in three parts around football. But, you know, shit happens. <laughs> oh brilliant no, I'm, obviously I'm glad you still like it more than anything but five others JT I mean you haven't enjoyed the last couple of movies we've um we've sat through for this uh this podcast <laughs> I'm glad you've got one in that um you really like but um yeah fantastic um for all our listeners out there let us know what you think of this movie and also what you think of our show in general by getting in touch at the Hyperbaricos on Twitter and stay tuned um, and make sure you're following us because next week we're coming to you with another film that's a bit fucking sketchy and controversial in its own right. It is, of course, Train Spotting, which what we're going to do this week, but uh, certain things came up and we weren't able to do it. But we're aiming to do Train Spotting next week. Um, and for me, Bread Roll, I am signing off. I've got one last thing to say. I felt like destroying something beautiful. Ha 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 